So words from Jesus. Now the warnings uh warnings from Paul. Romans 12, 4. Isn't it amazing how many verses the scripture deal with this subject? I, I, it's amazing. Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 1 Thessalonians 3, 4. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that uh, we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you, as you uh, well know. 1 Thessalonians 3, 7, just a few verses later, he said, Therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged. <laughs> we were encouraged about you because of your faith. Amazing statement. 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 13. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, Paul wrote, based on all the descriptions of times that he was persecuted, he said, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus might be persecuted. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. It doesn't say that, does it? Will be. Will be persecuted. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Now, we have seen the warnings of, of uh, Jesus and Paul about the persecution to come. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Persecution today is happening all over the world. In places like North Korea, Indonesia, Nigeria, China, Colombia, Sudan, Pakistan, Iraq, and several other Middle Eastern countries. But it's not happening in the God-blessed nation of America. <laughs> but remember, it, it's going to be hard before it gets better, but remember that a mere 24 years ago, two Christians were martyred for their faith in the predominantly conservative community of Jefferson County outside Littleton, Colorado. The question is, are we next? Well, sure, we think of cities like San Francisco, Seattle, where we recently lived, Detroit, New York City, and even Denver as being the most likely places for persecution of Christians to take place in America, but certainly not in the Deep South where there's a church on every corner. But think of it this way. If you were going to target lots of Christians for persecution, would you go looking for them in San Francisco and Seattle? Not likely. Instead, you would go to where the most zealous Bible-thumping mm -hmm. Christians are located, like 
here in the South. Is it any surprise then that liberal Americans, especially from the cities I've just named, are doing as much as possible to destroy and demoralize the culture, history, and religion of the South, and especially Southern Christians, all in the name of eliminating hate speech. I really don't want to turn it, uh, turn this into a political lesson, but in my view, the liberal politics of today will likely be the tool that Satan uses to discredit and demoralize conservatives in the South, many of whom are Christians, members of evangelical churches like ours. I'm just saying. I think it might be the case. Two questions uh, for us to discuss. The first one is this. What do you see as the greatest or worst, however you want to look at it, what do you see as the greatest or worst attack on Christians in the United States today? What do you see as the greatest or worst attacks? Well, <clears throat> and you should add Los Angeles to your list up there. Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, we, we just... When we were at this conference, they were they they came in Saturday morning. They handing out free co free copies mm -hmm. of a brand new documentary that's come out of Grace Church, Grace Community Church, where the MacArthur's pastor, mm -hmm. documenting uh, what happened to them during COVID. And the persecution. What happened to Grace during yes, COVID? Yes, during uh, the persecution that they suffered at the hands of the county. Mm -hmm. uh, not so much the state directly, but there's there is definitely a history. With the governor there in California and John. Yeah, right. Back along. Oh. Um, so, wouldn't be surprised if there was some, you know, connection there. But yeah. um, in that case, you know, they, they wanted to, they saw an opportunity uh, not it, it, under the banner of safety mm -hmm. to shut a church down. Actually, not just that one, but all the churches in California. There were, yeah. there were a number of others that are not nearly as big and, yeah. you know, Pastor eats on Fox News that don't this church don't have that, right? Yeah. So they they really got slammed. Well, a big prominent church like Grace Church would certainly be targeted. Yeah. Because the little guys, not that big. Well, no, well, no, the little guys got it too. They got it, oh, but yeah. but it wasn't as big a news as a big church. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you but but your pastor would be on Fox News like John would be. Yeah. 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 That's, the small churches don't generally have. The reserves and the influence that bigger churches have. Yeah. And yeah. A lot of them did tower under that place. Right. But right. Yeah. What you what you have in that question there, the the I don't know if I would call this attack, but I think probably the biggest enemy of the church in this country is prosperity. Mm -hmm. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Prosperity. The prosperity gospel. Yes. Not not the prosperity gospel, the prosperity. Of the people. Everything we need. Uh, and the comfort that we enjoy. Yeah, I get you. Yeah. Diana, you message. Oh, I was just saying just something that Pete, uh, you know, the Teasdales were here a couple of weeks ago and yeah. you mentioned that documentary. And actually, that night, Dave and I went home and watched that documentary. Yeah. 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 And it, it was, I was like, fantastic. We'll watch and, it. Here, um, sure. There were <laughs> two pastors in Canada that were put in jail. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
I heard about that. One of them served quite a bit of, uh, he, I think he served twice uh, yeah. a, a lengthy jail sentence before, yeah. He's, uh, it's hard to get, hard to find. But yes, but on the reverse swing of that, we know God's control because the thing that John was facing with Newsom, there was you know he he, he tried to many times when when COVID hit, John was doing his his, his broadcast with nobody in there, and then a couple people I can remember before a couple people started coming, he wasn't going to tell them to go home. Well, Newsom found this out, so he cut his water off. Mm-hmm. Well. Somebody in the church knew somebody had some water containers and stuff like that, and they could wash their hands. And, and then they turned his power off. Anytime somebody had some backup generators and stuff. But what I really liked was is they tried to close down his parking lot and move a bunch of homeless people in. They said, well, that's great. I'm just going to let my people go there and witness to them. As we look at it being a catastrophe or something like that, God has seated it for faith. Right. So right. we get on the other flip of the coin, you know. Yeah, it's just amazing. Amazing money that that, that gives yeah. to that area and to the state of California. Yeah, yeah. The case and there were other Canadian pastors too who were in the documentary. That we yeah, had. but those those two, um, both of them, were put in maximum security. Yeah. Pastors, great. Right. Uh, our son what, what Kevin Canada? lives in Canada. In Canada, he was talking about that. With Our oldest son Kevin, you probably remember him. He lives in Canada, and he he knew about that and passed it on, you know, from his perspective. Yeah, it is. Anybody else? Diamond. Yeah, uh, defining. Uh, we have a way of defining inclusion as parallel to love, biblical love, and I think it uh, destroying the family unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, as Christians, you're supposed to love, so you're supposed to include. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And everyone's welcome in the church yeah. to listen to the truth. Right. right. Uh, not to celebrate sinful yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. I would say, um, you know, actually kind of what Dad is getting at, as bad as those situations we're talking about in COVID, the real threat to the church in America is, is, um, uh, uh, can say this generically, undermining the authority of God's word in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. Teachings, you have to be false teaching. It can be things, it comes in the form of things like, um, this isn't as popular now, but <clears throat> during the early 2000s, you know, the emerging church, their big thing was the first acuity of scripture. In other words, scripture is not clear. We will yeah. Know, yeah, I see that in the Bible, but you know, really, it may not really mean that, you know, because of yeah. cultural this, that, and other. Um, it's just one wave after another spiritual attack against the authority of Scripture to be binding on the consciences of all people, whether you mm-hmm. believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that attack is undermining in our society so that everything we do is contrary to what the scripture teaches. Yeah. The entire way of oh, life. Yeah. Think about it. And and it's gonna get more and more that way in the future. Let let me read what I wrote, just a slightly different perspective, but I wrote it's people uh suing Christians for refusing to serve the public whose lifestyles and unbiblical or sinful practices that violate the consciences of Christians in business. So, you know, like the the, the baker yep. who refused to make, uh, a, wedding make a wedding cake yeah. for a lesbian couple or whatever it was. 
Yeah, that kind of stuff. It it it's it have it has happened a lot. Now in the future, that's today. What about in the future? What do you see coming down uh, the pipe? <laughs> I don't want to think about what's coming. I know, I know. I I I agree with you. Scotland and Gamora is coming back. Yeah, already here. Already, yes, absolutely. Bad. I mean, we think that this is bad. It's going to get, but Sodom and Gomorrah was horrible. Yeah. And I think it's going to be worldwide. Sodom and Gomorrah, and yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not. It, it's coming. It it's is. Accepted. Some places are worse than others. Yeah. Legalized yet. Yeah. Right. Getting pretty close. Yeah. It's not legalized yet. Right. But it's coming. Yeah. And I wonder how many people who've embraced all this stuff. Are they going to draw the line? Even unsafe people, are they going to draw the line at some point and say, hey, this is wrong? Yeah, I don't know. I hope so. I hope so too, but I don't know. Uh, uh, Satan Satan is bound and determined to take as many with him to hell as possible. But he's not in control. He's not in control, but he sure is active. You know, active is true, but he's yeah. not in control. Not in control. No, I'm not going to let it happen. Right. I, I wrote... Does somebody else have some? I wrote, I believe Christians are going to be targeted for their hate speech when we speak out for biblical values in post-Christian America. And we're already being targeted for hate speech. It's got to get worse. I'll give you one example um, that hits home right here at this church. Um, about three, four years ago, there was a change in policy for, for Google, for anybody, any of its customers, anybody. Mm -hmm. And part of that was, um, I'm trying to remember now how, how the whole thing went, but it was a threat of a discontinuing your service if deemed that your organization is involved in discrimination, uh, yeah. sexual orientation, right. part yeah. of that and so on. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was, you know, I don't know if Dave remembers it. We got to talking about it. Well, cool. fortunately, they came out pretty quick right after. They've got a lot of blowback from a lot of churches like yeah. ours that lean on that, on that platform. Right. Uh, so um, they changed that pretty quick. Yeah. And, but it could change back again yeah. Yeah. just as quickly. Absolutely. And down the road. All right. Number two. Um, do you believe the liberal po political climate, which is poised against evangelical Christians, is worse today than when you were young? <laughs> is that a, an obvious <laughs> answer? Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, you know, Pastor Peter and I are old enough to remember what it was like to go to school and have devotions in school, prayer <coughs> in school, okay. you know, public school, public school, yeah. Pledge allegiance to the flag. All that, none, none of that is allowed. That has God, the words God in it. Well, a student would go to the front office, right? And over the intercom, say prayer. Yeah. Morning oh, prayer. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. But sometimes it depended on where you were. What's well, true. I, I grew up in Texas, and so it was that way in Texas. Because when I was a kid in, in Tennessee, they had the Pledge of Allegiance, and we even prayed before we went to the lunchroom. When I moved back yeah. to North Carolina, that was all gone. Yeah. 
Well, North Carolina is more liberal than Tennessee and more liberal than South Carolina. So, yeah. yeah. Um, what evidence of it do you see today? What evidence of, of uh, the political climate changing uh, from bad to worse today? What is the evidence you see today? Well, thugs go up to an old lady and just beat her up and leave her in the streets. Okay. You haven't done that, have you? No. Okay. Yeah. And then the police, you know, they're restrained from act yeah, acting, acting in, oh, a, yeah. in any type of enforcement. Yeah. When we lived, it's a different, different. I lived in Seattle, the police, their hands were tied. Sure. They couldn't do anything because uh, the mayor and the city council just absolutely, uh, well, they took away all their uh, authority. Authority. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, well, lawlessness. Lawlessness. Yes. Yeah. I wrote down conservative Christians are, are usually Republicans. Republican candidates and their supporters are being taken to court for so-called crimes in record numbers, while Democrats seem to be untouchable by the judicial system. Uh, anyway, the political climate is getting worse and worse. All right, let's move on. No, uh, Roman numeral three, our response. And so I want to see from David, Jesus, and Paul what our response to persecution must be. Our response, what it should be. Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Uh, Psalm 32, 6 and 7. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. Of course, the verse uh, which inspired the title of the book written by Corey Ten Boom. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. And by the way, we're going to be singing the song, You Are My Hiding Place, at the end of this service. And it is an Old, old uh, Testament promise, but good for today. Psalm 34, verses 4 and 5. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. Now, moving on to what Jesus said, Matthew 5, uh, 43 through 45. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's not easy, by the way, but that's what Jesus said we must do in response. Uh, pray for those who persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. John 16, verse 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. 
In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And then uh, Acts 8, uh, I guess this is actually Luke writing, but Saul or Paul is, is a part of this story. Uh, Acts 8, 1 and verse 4. And, and Saul approved of their killing him, talking about Stephen. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Verse 4. Those who had been scattered did what? Preached the word wherever they went. There, I a response, a, a outpouring of, of uh, preaching. That, my words are not right, but anyway, you know what I mean. Second Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. To keep me from being conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. And if this thorn in the flesh might have been uh, poor eyesight, we don't know. But anyway, he, the Lord, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. <clears throat> Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly because of my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Ephesians 6, 5 and 6, slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Obey your earthly message. It is. 1 Thessalonians 5, 15 through 18. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong or wrong. But always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Talking about the world. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Mm -hmm. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's pretty clear. Yeah. And then the last uh, passage comes from uh, uh, Paul in Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. We're not, we're not giving in. We're not uh, just hurt by all this. 
were more than conquerors through him who loved it. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate from the love of Christ that is the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In spite of all the persecution that, that we might be facing now or down the down the road, we have the absolute assurance that God still loves us and he will never stop loving us no matter what. All right. So the time may come when you ask yourself, how could a loving God allow this to happen to me? Anybody ever wondered about that? I know I have. I, I have. Honestly. You may begin to question what you find clearly stated in the word of God. He promised that you would never be separated from his love, as we read in uh, Romans 8, 35. He did not say, however, that you would never face, get this, he did not say that you would never face hardship or persecution or famine or negligence or danger or sword. Folks, if we doubt that God can love us, and yet still allow us to experience persecution, then we should consider the life of Jesus, and for that matter, the life of Paul, and the life of Peter, but certainly the life of Jesus. Um, if we allow his death on the cross to forever settle the question that we might have about God's love, then we will approach difficult circumstances with confidence, with absolute confidence, knowing that there will never be anything that can separate us from God's love. We will watch to see how God um, expresses his love in each circumstances. We should never judge God's love or question his love based on our circumstances. Instead, we should evaluate our circumstances on the basis or from the perspective of God's love. The verses we've just read are applicable to all Christians of all times, not just for those living in the last days as I believe we are, I think, all Christians must love their enemies and pray for those who persecute us. We must uh, all be heartened by the fact that Jesus overcame the world in order enabling us to have peace even in times of trouble. Every Christian must depends, depend on the Lord's enabling grace to accept our weaknesses, even when we're being insulted and persecuted, knowing that we are strongest, spiritually strongest, when we are weak. Uh, Christians must always obey our earthly masters, our employers, 
even if they treat us like slaves. We must never get even with those who do us wrong, but instead repay their unkind deeds with genuine kindness. Always having the right heart attitude resulting from an active prayer life, from an active communion with the Lord. And Christians in every circumstance must pray to the only one who can help us when it seems that we are at the mercy of our enemies. And we must find the hiding place that God has provided for us and let him fill our hearts with song. By following these admonitions, know these commands. By following these commands, our hearts will not grow bitter. By following these commands, our hearts will not grow bitter when we are treated badly by people who don't appreciate our Christian values. We must show them not tell them, but show them. And without a hint of, super of superiority, we must show them that we are different from them. And how are we different? Because we have the love of God in our hearts that we want to share with the world. In other words, God's purposes become our commitment to do what is good and right. Whereas the purposes of the world become the commitments of worldly people to do whatever they feel like doing. This is true even if it means making themselves look better by making us look worse. Just remember that the sovereign God is still in control of the world still in control of our lives, and he can use their evil deeds to accomplish his plans and purposes. Jeremiah 29, 11, the prophet said, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Joseph must have understood this divine concept, even though uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 was written centuries later after Joseph. But uh, explaining this to his cruel brothers in Egypt in Genesis 50, verse 20, listen to it or look at it with me. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Mm -hmm. Folks, in closing, let me say that, that living a godly life, as Paul told us in 2 Timothy 3.12, is not going to insulate you. Living a godly life is not going to insulate you from suffering. In fact, Paul said that the more blameless your life is, the more likely you are going to be persecuted. Why? 
Because he said in the very next verse that evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse. Now, does that make you not want to live a godly life? Well, it's not supposed to do that. <laughs> but there are some who claim to be Christians. Who read, who read 2 Timothy 3.12 and think to themselves, no thanks. I don't want to be persecuted. So the godly life that I live, I will live in secret. Not out in the open where people will notice. <laughs> Raise your hand if that's your plan of action. Raise your hand. Come on. Nobody, nobody raises their hand. Good. <laughs> Doing it secretly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Part of secret. <laughs> so here's the thing. As the world increasingly embraces sin and their sinful lifestyles, these worldly people become increasingly intolerant of godly people, calling them intolerant. The good lie of the good lives of the godly people seem to be bad. <laughs> the good lives of godly people, in their minds, these are bad lives. Um, therefore, these self-righteous people uh, want nothing to do with godly people. These people who are, these worldly people, worldly Christians, who are self-righteous, they don't want anything to do with godly people. It's like darkness seeing light as being darker than their darkness. Huh? <laughs> it's like darkness seeing light as being darker than their darkness. I'll just let you throw on that one for a bit. <laughs> The truth is that darkness cannot tolerate light. The more the lives of godly people illuminates the presence of Christ, the more they should expect opposition from the forces of darkness. Their Christ-like nature will be offensive to those in rebellion against Christ's lordship. It's a lot like what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16. Talking about the cross of Christ is offensive. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and, and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But for those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? Well, so far we've been talking about them and they. Now it's, talk, it's time to talk about you and me. You may, you may have recently repented of a particular sin, and you've taken a positive step of obedience to God. Maybe that's true of you. I don't know. 
Perhaps you expected, along with God's forgiveness, that you would experience God's blessing immediately as he demonstrated his approval of your obedience. Maybe you thought, as was okay, your life would now on become nice and easy. But instead, you were met with opposition from your former friends. Look at First uh, Peter 4, 3 through 5 from the New Living Translation. You've had enough in the past of the evil things that godless pe people enjoy. Their immorality, their lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. But remember that they will have to face God who stands ready to judge every, everyone, both the living and the dead. Now then, sadly, we go from bad to worse. The persecution that you experience may even come from so-called Christian friends. So-called. Yes, they see your sincere desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, as Paul said. But what do they call you? They call you fanatic. Too extreme. Christianity, they say, is fine. Done in moderation. Have you ever heard that one before? Yes. I mm -hmm. sure have. Yeah. Christianity is fine. Done in moderation. You don't want to get fired, do you? You don't want to lose your spouse or your friends, do you? You don't want to be hated in your neighborhood, do you? These people completely misunderstand your motives your sincere desire. You obey God, but still, your actions are met with criticism instead of admiration. If you are sincerely following the Lord Jesus in your life, don't be discouraged. Again, Paul warned us that those who seek to live godly lives will suffer persecution. Don't be surprised then when it happens to you. If the world crucified the Son of God, they will surely be hostile to anyone who lives in his power. Listen to this, folks. Persecution, persecution may be the very best evidence that your life closely resembles the life of Christ Jesus. Persecution may be the best evidence that you are living a godly life. In John 15, 18, Jesus warned us that the world hated him even though he, Jesus, died for the sins of the world. Therefore, we should expect it, the world, to hate us as well. But take heart, Jesus said in the next chapter, I have overcome the world. And this is the encouragement we have from him. God wants us to be thankful in every circumstance, even in the most difficult of situations. 
as Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Remember what Betsy Tin Boom reminded her younger sister, Corey. She said, Corey, we need to be kind, be joyful, be prayerful, and be thankful in every circumstance that God puts us in. Even thankful for the fleeing. You remember that from the last time. Thankful even for the fleas. <laughs> and that's amazing what Betsy, the, the spiritual insight and, and strength that she had. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we know, we know, no doubt in our minds, we know that you love us dearly. Your word tells us this. We also know that you are always looking out for your children all around the world, even in war-torn countries like Ukraine, third world countries like Afghanistan and countries that hate Christians like North Korea. You didn't promise that your people here in America and around the world, that we would be free from the abuses of, of, of wicked men. You never made that promise to us. We know that you never promised that Christians would be protected from all harm. We know Lord, that you care deeply for us, but that care may come to us in the form of your enabling grace, your enabling grace to endure the trials that befall us. Knowing, as James said, knowing that the testing of our faith produces perseverance. And we thank you Weekly, Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, we ask that you would help us to follow the example of the Lord Jesus, who suffered the worst imaginable abuse and, and, and was murdered at the hands of sinful men for whom he showed nothing, nothing but love. Lord, help us to follow the example of the Apostle Paul who had actually persecuted Christians in his early life, but who was severely persecuted himself after his encounter with Jesus. Help us, Lord, also to follow the example of Corey and Betsy Timboom, who cared more for the lives of others than they did for themselves. And they paid a great price for their selflessness. We don't ask for persecution or worse. We don't ask for that. But we do ask for your strength to endure if it should come our way. And Lord, may our lives, whether short or long, may our lives bring honor and Amen. glory Amen. to your holy name. We praise.